ladies and gentlemen, uh, for one last time, welcome to Ronnie and Ramage. That theme music you've just heard for old times means we're not uncut, which means we've got some guests today. So uh, Gaz is here as usual. Gaz, you're right. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Good, Emotional. Good, good. good. And uh, Johnny Brick, welcome back. Can you hear me? Am I coming through? You are indeed. Wonderful. Hello, audience. And hello, guys. Last, but by no means last, Dan Fle- Oh, no. No, Dan Fleming. He was invited. He's got a FIFA Xbox tournament tonight or some shit like that. So, uh, one. obviously, far more important than, uh, than the last ever Ronnie Ramage. So, yeah, boys, what did we start? Five years ago? Crystal Palace away uh, on Valentine's Day in the Kike season. Me and Gary pissed up in the pub afterwards, having a chat with Johnny. Shall we start a podcast? Uh, and the next morning, Ronnie Ramage was born. Probably one of the few trips to Crystal Palace we actually enjoyed. Um, Looking back at it now. Yeah, I remember that. It was a Troy Deeney... Was it a Troy Deeney double? No, no, no. Penalty, Yes, it, it was, wasn't it? A Troy penalty. Yeah. I think we got uh, a bit of corporate that day. Yeah, a bit of corporate. Troy penalty. We were cheering in, in amongst the Palace fans in the box. Uh, and then, John, we met you for a pint afterwards, didn't we? Because you That's were living right, in Wimbledon yeah. at the time, I think. Yeah, um, I nipped round and I remember that pint very vividly. And the podcast was born. Uh, so, yeah, we started with a 2-1 win at Palace. I was thinking, just, just in the run-up to recording this... What's changed since we've been doing this podcast? And one thing that hasn't changed is Will Zaha is still at Palace. So uh... <laughs> it might not be for much longer. If the rumours about Roy and Ray going are true, then they might wish to cash in on Zaha as well. I, I think as long as they're trying to stay in the Premier League, I can't see them cashing in on him. So as long as he's got a contract, I think he's, uh, I think he's stuck there serving his time. But yeah, there you go. There are some constants in life after all. But um, not Watford. So we, yeah, in that time we've had, God, how many managers have we had? Uh, 42 I think yeah 42 and counting um, uh, any, any, any choices for your favourite manager since we've been podding so I guess since yeah since the Kike season any, anyone stand out for you guys, you boys I like Ivic because <laughs> without without the low of Ivic and that kind of game that I can't remember if either of you went to this was the, the game where Watford fans were back in and yet all the fans started booing and that that, the, the one nil loss at Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, that made up the, the chairman's mind to get rid of Ivic. In comes this ingenue who'd managed 11 games in Georgia. And who knew that all we needed was like a mascot? Well, Gaz, I mean, Gaz was a bit emotional about, uh, emotional about um, uh, Munoz, wasn't you? But I think it was after the commentary game, you had a right old rant. And I was like, Gaz, you know, uh, let's give the lad some time. Let's, let's let him bed in. But you, I mean, you were not happy at all, were you? So uh, uh, I, I think we said in the previous pod that you, you, you'd like to apologise for your behaviour towards uh, the new manager. And, uh, and, and look, yeah, I've done it. Promotion, so happy days. So. I've, done, I've done it twice. So I'm not doing it a third time. But, but no, I, I think the frustration more comes from the fact that at certain times we've seen a change of intentions from the owners. First, we want an attack-minded manager. Then we want a defensive-minded manager. And we've seen that quite consistently. So it's always a bit strange when someone gets manager of the month and then they get sacked the next day. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. So I think at that point, it's, it's fair to assume that, that some Watford fans may be a little bit disillusioned. Uh, but look, you know, we've already covered it, right? He's, uh, he's united the dressing room. He's got people playing to their strengths. He's found a formation that works. And, and the rest, as they say, um, is is history? I'm I'm trying to think. Is is would you say that's probably the most impactful manager's been? Because there's one other manager that sticks out for me that really kind of had to pick up the broken pieces. And for me, he's he's the manager 
look, Zisco's been great, but he's not proven at the top level. But there's one manager who sticks out to me that, that really had to pick up the broken pieces. And, and really, I would say it's probably the most positive spell outside of Taylor that's been manager, uh, manager of Watford. And you're talking about Javi Graffia then, aren't you? Because obviously he had to pick up what happened with Silva. And uh, yeah, I think things were, were rapidly going downhill. But I, I mean, it's funny that season because that football under Silva at the start of the season was, I mean, arguably the best football I've seen at Watford in 25 or 30 years. I know we're only talking kind of like eight or nine games before it went off the boil, but the football was absolutely superb, you know. The, the kind of high energy, the pressing style, which was, you know, had been... Um, kind of was basically the, the kind of the Barcelona style football was, you know, started to be copied by other teams, notably Dortmund. And then it kind of started to scale down to the smaller teams like us. And that was the first time we'd, we'd kind of seen it firsthand. And it was, it was absolutely superb. It's just a shame it only yeah. lasted eight or nine games, isn't it? But, um, uh, but then... I, I never, yeah. I'll never forget, sorry, quickly, is Newcastle away where we went to? I remember that game under, under Silva. And I remember we were just looking at everyone to say, do you know, we are, we are quality. We are a quality football team. And I think that for me was just probably the bit where it was like, man, like we, we could do anything with this. this it's not, not literally anything, but it was, it was surprising that we could see Watford play that well when we, we was at Newcastle away with Hughes scored that left foot edge of box mm. um, controlled finish. Yeah, it's, it's funny that, isn't it? Because it, like, how many times in all these years of Sporting Watford have we, been, have we turned around and said, we are a quality football team? Like it doesn't happen often, does it? Simply because of the size of the club we are. Um, but like, like when it does click, it, like it's fantastic. And like the, the the nice thing about them was it clicked when we were in the Premier League. Like we were facing teams like, all right, you might argue it's only Newcastle, but you know they're a giant of a club, a bit a sleeping giant. But you know, and we're, and we're going there and turning them over when we, we're you know when we're just little old Watford. It's been a happy hunting ground, isn't it, Newcastle? Like I think back to the the, the Agalo double in the KK season and uh, and whatnot and. Um, some good nights out as well to boot. So, uh, yeah, yeah, happy days. What, what, what about you, John? Does anything stand out from the last five years? Is there, is there a highlight, a key moment? Just uh, well, obviously doing the, the pod with you guys, which I think is by far and away, obviously, and I hope the listener agrees. Uh, we are celebrating Brendan Rodgers winning the FA Cup. And there was a moment, I think he talks about it in Tales from the Vic, where Brendan noted the intake of breath when the keeper, whoever it was, possibly Foster, rolled the ball out and he wanted to start an attack from the back. I think perhaps what has happened now is the world has caught up with Brendan Rodgers. So even a club like Watford can do that. But over the last five years, the, the Chelsea game, when Chelsea wanted to get Conte sacked, and so Bakayoko got sent off within about 25 minutes. And the fourth goal, actually or both of them, Delefeu's goal and Janmat's goal, both mm. terrific. And it was Javi Gracia's first home game. Um, and I remember seeing him in the Costa in the Harlequin with his wife and kids. Of course, I wasn't going to say thank you for that memory. Uh, and then the Bakio, Yes, thank you for the Bakayoko memory. Uh, and then um, 15 months on, the Wolves game, where he got the tactics absolutely right, bringing on De La Feu, who scored those two goals, and then the Dini penalty. And... What, I know you're big on the Deanie Thorpe's podcast, but watching Deanie become a father of repute whilst kind of every six months saying something that kind of detonates social media and um, brings it back to typical Troy. But I think th- the great thing about the club is that Gino's still there. Scott Duxbury's still there. We've got through, I think this is the fourth recruiter in eight years. Uh, and they seem to know exactly what's going on because they're entrusted now next season with 
whatever the budget is, but they will know they've got a nine-figure salary. I don't know if it will mean there'll be a new ground or a new players. It'll be helped if we have to get rid of Saar. I don't know what you chaps think. I think Saar may well move on over summer. I mean, it'd obviously be lovely if he stays because he's like a phenomenal player. It's, see, I mean, I mean, this is the thing about where, like, where the club's gone like compared to previous, like before the Pozzo's joined, for example. We are... We are so fortunate to watch players of this calibre now. So if you look back to before the Potsos come over, you can, you know, you, you could put together your best 11 of Watford players. In, in our case, from like, let, we started watching like the early 90s, didn't we? Um, properly. So like you could put together your best 11 and the majority of it is going to be in Graham Taylor's teams that, that he put together um, with, with a, maybe a notable exception or two. Whereas now, like the, like the quality of player we've been, we've been seeing since, it's like, like you, you basically couldn't kind of merge the teams because the, like the level of player we've been seeing now is, is so different, you know? You think back to like around the time of the cup final before it all went wrong, we, we could feasibly have a team that had in midfield had Etienne Capu, Abdoulaye Decore, uh, Roberto Pereira, uh, Gerard Delefeu, like, and I probably missed out, missed out a host of other players who, who were top notch there as well. But that, I, mean, I mean, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal midfield for, for a club like, you know, for a club the size of Watford, you know, for a like Watford, and it shows kind of how far we've come and, and how valuable that, that TV money is, dare I say, for the Premier League. Yeah, we've been fortunate to watch some absolutely superb players, haven't we, the last couple of years since we've been doing this pod. I mean, I, I, I think Capu's probably the best player I've seen at Watford, full stop. And obviously he falls into that period. I, I don't know what you think about that, Gaz. But I, and then I think, like, as I say, like another one I picked out there, like Pereira. I just, like the fact we're buying players, d- double winning players from Juventus and, and they come to join Watford and he came and he put a shift in. And, I, you know, I don't think anyone begrudges his move when, when it came. You'd, you'd argue with the likes of him and, and Degore, we should have moved them on a season early. We did. But just to have players of that quality and be able to watch them down Rickridge Road is, is an absolute treat. Because it used to be like we'd have to wait for, you know, an away team to come to see the likes of an Alan Shearer or, you know, or, you know, just an absolute quality player. And all of a sudden, we, you know, we, we've got maybe not players of Shearer's calibre, but, you know, someone like Pereira, who's got, you know, caps for Argentina, plays in the Copa Americas, won the double, you know, started the Champions League final, all this stuff, he's, he's playing in a Watford shirt. It's like, quite frankly, it's pretty unbelievable to think, you know? Um, yeah. I think, um, I think in terms of natural ability, um, you, you can't talk about players who have, play for Watford and, and not mention Delafeu and Pereira. I, I think the challenge at times with Pereira is, is just getting that ability to show consistently. But there, there's no question about it. If, if I could be any kind of footballer, if I could just transport their talent to me, it would always be, it would always be um, Roberto Pereira. Um, you then look at Delafeu and I think at times we were perhaps guilty of, of changing his position you know, he, he'd really started to do well. Uh, we always need 40 goals to stay in the Premier League because typically it, it averages out that every goal is a point. And when you've got, I think that year, I think we got, what, maybe 14 goals from uh, Delafeu. We then decided to change him and put him on the left wing where we probably got three goals out of him. So I think that what Delafeu is, is yes, I, I think that Pereira should have gone a year before. Decore should have gone the year before. Delafeu moved at the right time, but we just didn't play him in the right position. I think consistently Capu has been the best player throughout that time, but I think Troy has been our most important player um, over the last last five years. And he, even you know a lot gets made of, of the penalties and, and and things like that. The fact is is you know he played on one leg last year and, and still got us into double figures. And again, we go back to that that special moment. Have he, have he seemed to create so many special moments, didn't he, in terms of the games that we've played? But everyone refers to that Delafoe day, that Delafoe goal. 
But I tell you what, when, when Troy took that penalty, I, I felt like I scored it. When he was running to the corner flag, the, just the emotion on his face, like I, I genuinely felt like I scored it at that point. It was probably the most powerful moment outside of the Leicester goal that, that I've experienced as a Watford fan. Um, it, it was an amazing day, wasn't, wasn't that day? But that's uh, semi-final. But it's almost like a sliding doors moment because that. I mean, I mean, we're two 0 down there. If Delafeu doesn't score that amazing goal to make it two one and kind of give us belief, the cup final wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have got absolutely smashed in the cup final. That's when I think kind of all the trouble started in terms of uh, players kind of maybe feeling they'd they'd kind of hit a, you know, the the the, the ceiling and what they could achieve at Watford. People started wanting to move on. Maybe Gracia lost the dressing room. Well, he certainly did, judging on the performances of the season after. There was all the stuff about the bonuses not being paid, etc. And uh, yeah, it all kind of all kind of started to get a little bit downhill. I, I just wondered what would have happened if we if we hadn't scored that goal. You know, whether we'd be like a a Burnley and uh, you know we'd finish fifteenth or sixteenth for another two seasons, or hey, you know, we, we we eventually went down. We've come back up. Um, not really been in a position to enjoy this season as much, obviously, because we can't go to the the games, but. I think you know it's been a positive season, hasn't it? Being being able to enjoy uh, you know winning most weeks, and I think uh, Cisco's got a, a, a lot to be. Uh, we have a lot to thank Cisco for for that because his win percentage is unbelievable in terms of management. Mm. Uh, Watford, isn't it? It's just it's just off the charts. So, on Cisco next season, what do you think, chaps? Is he the man to lead Watford next season? Yes, evidently, because he's not got the problem that Djukanovic had. Remember the reason Djukanovic couldn't manage us in the Premier League because he asked for more money. I think Zisco will not ask for a bonus. So he'll be in charge. The players seem to be on side, but I'd, I'd imagine that there's someone else lined up. Maybe Watford lad Gareth Southgate can do a rescue <laughs> job in January, or if not him, Sam Allardyce. That'd be quite a fall from grace, wouldn't it? Imagine how bad the Euros would have to be for Southgate to take over at Watford in January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say something controversial here. Um, I wouldn't have Cisco as a manager next year. Well, so I think, yeah, I think similar. Th- I mean, obviously, there's obviously parallels with Yukanovich and what happened there. Um, you know, he, he, we, like, we were playing some cracking football towards the end of that season to get out, weren't we? Like, I remember Brighton away and such forth. And yeah, it's a shame we messed it up at, on the last game at Sheffield Wednesday. But you'd argue that wasn't the manager's fault. We, we had so many chances to score that day and didn't take them. Um, and it was kind of, I, I guess, they, they moved on or they... Kike Sanchez Flores was quickly identified as the guy they want. A bit of, bit of X factor, we went for him, and it, you know, it, it, in hindsight, it wasn't a bad decision, wasn't it? You know, he he kept us up and started us on a what five years in the Premier League. But I I do worry uh, with Cisco in charge next year whether he can get the best out of these players in the Premier League. Uh, I think I think it's very different the last time we went up, given we had goal scorers, whereas we don't really have goal scorers this year. So I mean, it would be nice with you know Dini gets a full season, a preseason, and he's fit, and you know. We'll see if at 33 he's still got it. But um, we really don't have goal scorers this year. And so, I mean, Saar's done great to chip in with the amount of goals he has, but he's, you know, and hopefully he'll get a bit more space next year given given uh, the Premier League, team, Premier League teams might be, you know, more, more uh, concerned about attacking Watford and giving us space to play the counter-attack. I do worry about Cisco's uh, tactical ability and his substitutions. I, I've, I think I made a point through doing the podcast this week that his substitutions seem kind of like preordained. There's not a lot of flexibility there or reacting to situations. And I do I do worry going into next season whether whether he's the right man to lead us. But alas, it sounds like the club are going to give him the chance to do so. So, um, I mean, they've made big calls before. Ivic, Sakonivic this year was a big call. All right, he's only on a one-year deal, but, you know, so soon after pointing him, they obviously did what Yukanovic, what we spoke about there uh, and such forth. So, um, 
I, I think the one that would the one maybe that maybe they regret was they should have sat Grafia after the cup final and didn't. Can you imagine the PR? Imagine how horrible Elton would have rebelled. And nice to see Elton at the end of season. But yeah, that that's not the Graham Taylor way to sack a manager after getting tanked at Watford's what, second only ever cup final. I think two things. If Brentford don't go up, Ivan Tony has to come. Maybe with Andre Gray going back to Brentford. Can't afford him, John. <laughs> they won't mind taking Gray back, will yeah. they? He's, what, what is he, a 31, <laughs> 31 goal striker? Like we, like, we can't afford him. He's going to be, he's 30 million now, given he cost, yeah. well, you would have cost about 15 million in the first place. Like, we, they, they, was. They, like they, yeah, but yeah, like, we don't have the money we had. Three, three years ago, do we? It's just not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, yeah, as I say, they, they, uh, like they made they made big calls in the past. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's set in stone that he'll be in next year now. Um, the other big call he's making is back winning goal. Now, like we've touched on this, Gaz. I, again, I'm not I'm not 100 on this, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how next season starts. Like if we if we get off to a bad run, there's going to be pressure on him straight away. You know, for you know, for example, if you know if if Backman doesn't look shaky in the first few games, or if uh, you know if, if we lose in general, I think there's going to be quite a lot of pressure on him. He hasn't got his coaching badges, etc. So you'd like to think that with with fans back in the stadium, that we'll uh, get behind the manager, get behind the team. But we're Watford, we love a moan, don't we? So so I dare say that some of that might come across watching the team. But what, what do you think, guys? I think there's a couple of things that are different to the Slavisa years. That you can score goals in the Championship, but the fact is, is that you know, you're not always going to be as clinical going up to the Premier League. So I think that we can address that. And I think we've, we've still got players, you know, Saar, for instance, he can score 10 in the Premier League. Dini, if he's fit, there's a chance that he can get 10 goals in the Premier League. Pedro is only going to get better going into next year. So there's no doubt we need strengthening from an attacking sense. But we are better defensively. You know, we've got more options at centre-back. We've got better quality at centre-back. Um, at right back, although Kiko's still there and he's been challenged in the Premier League, we've actually got two viable right backs now. Left back's still a question. We've still got Foster and Backman's better than what we thought. So I think we have reinforced. I, th- I think the, a- the area that we probably most overlooked, though, is the relationship between the sporting director and also Zisco. That, that seems to be nailed on. They actually seem to be a partnership. It doesn't seem to be, look, I'm running the team, get out of my way there seems to be a good support framework around Zisco. And you kind of think about the impact he's having on the players. I, I think that that's massive. That's fundamental to make sure that people enjoy going to work. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fairly positive about, about the season ahead. Um, I think he's got his flaws, such as many of the managers. And if you actually think about who we bought in last year you know, uh, or the year before, we bought in Kike when it was quite clear that, that Kike, even in his own admission, perhaps wasn't as motivated as the first time around. We brought in Nigel Pearson. We would have never given the job to Nigel Pearson at the start of the year. He was the only type of manager that we could attract at that point. So I think at some point you've got to think about the ongoing legacy of, of you know your managerial appointments. And, and to John's point, if, if we was to sack Zisco uh, after he's performed so well, how many people would just see it as a, as a payday? Do you know what? I'll go there. I'll do three months' work. I'll get a year's paid out. And it would happen. You know it would happen. So I think at some point, we've got to believe that, you know what, we've got a manager here who's got the potential to go on and do good things. Um, is he perfect? No. But we've never had a perfect manager um, other than um, you know, Sir Graham Taylor. I think we've just got to back him and know that if, if, if it doesn't work out, we've got someone who can still get us out of that league. But also, we can't make 
ambitious investments. Watford spending £30 million on a player, you can't make the type of profit on those sort of players that you want to. Our, our model should be buying players from, you know, anything up to 10 to £12 million and making profit on them and substantial amounts of profit as well, unless you're successful, Penuranda. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, unless we get rid of Cucho this summer. My worry is that because Munoz's family are back in Spain, he might wish to go back to Spain to spend more time with his kids. The compromise might be making Munoz part of the coaching team. And well done, Hayden Mullins, by the way, for getting a job with Colchester, I think. Um, and bringing in someone who won't get us relegated. And I don't know if you will want to watch Rafa Benitez-style football. But I think that's the dark horse. He'll live in Liverpool, so... We'll be, he'll be able to go home after all the games in the north and the northwest. We'll have a lot of trips to the northwest next year. But the the social media game that he's got means that the non-legacy fans uh, are satisfied. As long as Troy Deeney is happy, Watford is happy. But there are Troy, a lot of unknowns. Troy, Troy cemented his legacy, isn't he, as a kind of Watford legend over the, the course of the, the Pozzo era, isn't he, in terms of what he's done for the club. So, yeah, again, be interesting to see how he gets on next year if, if he gets a full, full pre-season. And you guys have both been enjoying his pod as well, haven't you? I think, I think everyone's up to date with what he's been talking about on the pod. I did note one comment when he said, like, his weight's never changed in all these years. Like, he's always the same and he just gets a haircut and people think he's, like, he's like, looks different. I was like, not sure about that, Troy. I'd, 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 I'd tend to disagree about when, uh, uh, well, yeah, when he looks fit or when he, when he doesn't, when he looks like he's had a, had a good holiday and whatnot. But uh, uh, who am I to know, eh? Who am I? Just a, just a humble fan watching Troy and the boys on a, on a Saturday afternoon. But yeah, no, he's been great, isn't he? So over the years and yeah, let's, let, you know, let's hope it continues for, for one year more. Um, and then who knows what happens after that. But um, yeah, it'd be lovely to see him get, get a few more goals. I do. I think, as we said on the last last pod or two, guys, I do, we do worry about where he fits into this current formation. You wouldn't want to leave him up front on his own. Um, he's always been best in partnerships, whether it be with like Igalo, you know, that that first build back in the Premier League when it, whether it was Vigil or Igalo when he was, um, or, or whoever really, when he was playing in the Championship football. So he, he's always been better in a, in a two. So again, I don't I don't really see how how he fits into this shape. But he's he made a good point though on his podcast, and he says. When you play four three three, the central striker isn't designed to score a lot of goals. I, I kind of agree with him, to be honest, because even Pedro, yeah. you know, Pe- Pedro didn't score a lot from that number nine, but but Saar came into his own. So you kind of think, well, you know, who do you get to play that four three three? I'm hoping that we go to four two three one, and I, I know there's similarities in terms of the role, uh, in terms of the formation, but I don't know. I would love to see. Pedro playing that that number 10 role I've said it time and time again potentially Troy dropping into that same kind of area because look it's going to be a challenge for him he hasn't played a full season now for two years so play, playing 38 games regardless of, of being well rested now is, is going to be a massive challenge for him I still think there's room to get another striker incorporate Troy continue to develop João Pedro but yeah I guess we'll just have to wait and see I think ultimately we're coming out of this season with a lot more leaders aren't we Messina seems to be a leader now Chalabar is a leader Hughes is a leader uh, Dini is a leader Akong is a leader that's a big positive that we've started to kind of lay the foundations for life after Troy but I still think he's he's probably got an opportunity to be a little bit more selfish in that that top league We'll, we'll wait and see. I, I think that if we're hanging on to the answer of a number nine that can score 15 goals in the Premier League from a 4-3-3, mm. I think we're going to be waiting for a long time. 
Well, I mean, I mean, we might have had him in Luis Suarez last summer, but obviously relegation messed up the plans for, for that and the, uh, the the kind of the left back spot that would have been Estupinian's that that has kind of been well was problematic yeah. for so much of the season and and still is when when Messina that because because let's not forget Messina was you know it's not like he was you know nailed on as our our left back in the Premier League he was bring Young home <laughs> job done. Yeah, with those I mean, wages, yeah. Well, well, this is the one thing, isn't it? Those wages really want another spell in Italy, playing in the Champions League as well, which I imagine is very attractive. I into Miami might be on the table as well, which oh. uh, you know would be hard to turn down. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you never know. But but equally, are we going to get thirty-eight games out of Young at left back? You know, is he going to be up to the task? Like, given what what is he now thirty-six, maybe? One of my favourite young moments, like Gaz, you remember this, is still that that free kick away to Palace in the playoffs in the Boothroyd era, oh, uh, right yeah. down where we were we were we were standing in the in the away end. It's just just still one of my my favourite memories as a Watford fan that uh, that goal because I think from from that point you just knew that Palace weren't going to touch us and uh, three 0 we won that game didn't we King and Bring with the other goals but yeah yeah what a and I was seriously hungover as well that day uh, and it was an early kickoff so it was a struggle getting through the game but uh, yeah. Great, great, great memories. But I mean, we've had we've had plenty of those the last five years, haven't we? Whilst we're doing this pod, some of the games we've seen, and I think I think we touched on it. John, you mentioned that that Chelsea game in Delafeu, kind of when he kind of come to the fore. Yeah, just saying what a privilege it is to watch some of these players being brought to the club. But there's been a few crap ones as well. I think we should uh, should acknowledge. Holobas splits opinion, but for me, he is firmly in the crap camp, and I have uh, enjoyed the last year of not watching Holobas play. Regardless of, wonderful. Yeah, regardless of whether it's a, make, a makeshift left back or someone who did used to wind me up, Christ. Uh, I, I, I know he's kind of like a fan's, fan's favourite, wasn't he? Because he's, you know, scores the old cracking goal and whatnot and loves the cross. But his, his lack of work rate, his constant yellow cards used to drive Oof. me up the fucking wall. So, uh, yeah. God, don't forget. Uh, he almost broke the record for yellow cards in a season. Now, I was thinking who the most underrated player has been. Maybe it's Foster. Maybe the season couple of seasons ago when he came in for Gomez mm, don't know I, I think it's I was gonna say it's hard to be an underrated player at Watford because we're we're like a perennial underdog aren't we so you don't get many players who get rated if that makes sense and then we kind of had, a, had an explosion of these kind of like quality players I, I, I do kind of think like not really the same point but I do kind of think kind of what might have been you know managers had stayed or players have been played in their wrong position uh, using kind of Decore as an example who under Mazzari was completely out of position or not in the team at all nearly went on loan to Lorien in, uh, in France what a complete waste of you know of three or four years of watching a top-notch player that would have been ultimately one year long yeah. watching him which kind of I think cost us about 25 million in the transfer market in terms of his uh, the fee he was holding for um, there's two that stick out to me Underrated and a waste as well. Underrated, I'd have to say Barami. There's a couple oh, yes. of times in that that last season before we got relegated. I, I just remember thinking, do you know what? I wish we had Balon Barami playing today because he's a player that when you need someone to turn up, you, you could count on him. You know, stoke, if, stoke away, get Barami. I, yeah. I would call him the abacus. You know, you can always count on him. Um, and the biggest waste, I think, and it, I think it's. It's on both parts. It's not just Watford. It's also this individual as well is, is Steven Burgus. We had just started to see what his left foot could do, his pace. He could run at players. You know, tough moving over from, from the Dutch league into the Premier League. And finally adjusted to it. And then we go and sell him for four million. And uh, he then goes and scores about 100 goals in, in four years or whatever it is. Ridiculous absolute waste that was I think the other biggest waste has been like a succession of players we've signed as young kids for big money and they've kind of not really made it have they so success is the obvious <laughs> one 
Isn't he? I mean, so, like, like, is he going to get another chance next year? Surely not. Judge him on his sixth season. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, was, it was a belting goal he scored the other day, but like the, the player who turned up as like, what was he, like a 19-year-old when he joined? Like power, pace, you know, cracking left foot. He had it all. I remember, I remember having a chat with the guy down at Pub and Palace fan. And I was like, I was like, this guy's going to be box office in a couple of years. <laughs> but what a complete waste he's turned into. Like, spends off, for someone who's so big and so strong, he spends half the game on the floor, which yeah, always winds me up. I just think someone like him could make so much more of his ability, but just clearly hasn't got the application. Gary's favourite, Penuranda, is clearly going down that route as well. And just completely squandering the talent he's got to, to play at the top level. There's, there's, there's probably a few others we could put into that category, whereas you contrast someone like Richarlison, who, all right, we only had him for a season, but put a shift in, you know, worked his socks off every week. And uh, I, I think quite rightly deserved the move to a bigger club. Uh, we got we got some good money for him, you know, since gone on to become a Brazil regular. He's won the Copa America, isn't he, and stuff. And he's, you know, he's 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 getting his just desserts for working hard and putting the effort in. And uh, yeah, I just wonder if people like, maybe like successful, like Penaranda would ever look at someone like that and think, that could be me. We, we should be positive after six years of podcasting. Oh, no, no. Why should we start now? So, right. so I, I will finish at the success bit on a one positive. He's a fantastic dancer. I don't know if you've been watching sort of like all of the, like his dance, it's like, how, how do you shake your bum like that success? Like, and or when he does his little jig, it's like, he's, he's a tremendous dancer. I would have him on Strictly, like tomorrow. No, no issues. Get him Sar on Strictly. as well. I think, I think Sar could do a turn on Strictly. So um, I, I, I dare say it'd be a good night out with Sar success and a few of the boys in the Watford team. They look like they, like they can party, don't they? So uh, yeah, we've yeah, right, let's, um, let's finish on some positives then. So yeah, uh, Throw some highlights out then. The last, um, the last kind of five or six years while we've been podding. Um, the, the the FA Cup final is one for me. I know we got smashed, but I we got to see Watford in the cup final, which um, I was actually doubting that would that would happen because I was. I mean, I was two when we went in '84, so I didn't go and I wouldn't remember it. But yeah, the fact we've seen one, we might not see another one for another thirty years or so. So that that was great, despite despite how the game panned out. And I think. Um, that kind of served to illustrate a point of how silly football's got with all the money, you know, concentrated at one end. So maybe we served the purpose in that that extent. But and any highlights for you guys? The Liverpool double. It was just coming up to Christmas, uh, or just just after Christmas, and we won. I think three nil. Um, Igalo absolutely bullied Skirtle that day, and that put us on twenty nine points. And then fast forward, that was the start of Klopp's um, yeah Klopp's first uh, game. Winning, that wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, fast forward to that that game against uh, Liverpool at the Vic just before we went into lockdown Deeney's goal from the edge of box the ball through to Saar when he chipped the keeper like just it was just like yeah you, uh, you, you can you can't stop us another 15 minutes that could have been four or five like you, they that, just couldn't that stop that Deeney us. goal was an absolute superb finish he doesn't get enough credit for that yeah. like but you know from from that far out just to control the shot past the keeper and, and whatnot it was an absolute superb finish so yeah fair play yeah yeah. And, and talking about doubles as well, two West Ham away. Deeney again, when we were 2-0 down at half-time, um, Deeney sort of like brought, it, brought it back with the chip. That 4-2 win was amazing. But we also won 2-0 away from home. And I think it was Delafeu and Pereira, their combination play mm. for the Delafeu win in injury time was superb. And again, Deeney Penalty actually smashed it top corner. There's, um, a, theme, there's a theme here, isn't there, running through our... Our chats about highlights and they they all involve uh, Troy. So thanks for that. We've got about three minutes left. John, is there anything that you would like to maybe say or read or that could, you know, that could could end the, the Ronnie Ramage pod in a in a similarly uh, 
kind of a childish and fun way to, to we how we not saying you're childish, but how we've become accustomed to doing the pod over, <laughs> over the years. But, Probably well, a bad choice of phrase there, but I'm like I can't a fun do a way. song because someone complained, but I have put together some <laughs> rhyming verse. And hello, if you're listening, a big hello. There we go. Uh, so here, is, here is something that I have prepared earlier. On Valentine's Day 2016, four men, all Watford fans convened. Skype Connector wasn't fab, but PK's Hornets weren't as bad. Barami, Andy, Gomez, Suarez, then one more win. Dang, blast and darn it. The 13th best ahead of Palace, but the gaffer's job was a poison chalice. In came Walter, smoking, frowning. Man, you and Arsenal defeated, confounding all the naysayers who said nay. And by Niang and Bryce JJ. Six defeats to end the season. Troy was on the golf course, steaming, and out went Walter, smoking, mumbling as City gave us a 5-0 humbling. We all enjoyed Bournemouth away and Hughes and cleverly, but Andre Gray, the sending off of Bakayoko, but Dode Lukubakio. Judge Isaac on his second season, Jerome Sinclair was less appealing, Bob Jerry, Big Stefano, and of course, we believe in Odeon Igalo. Cavi had some delightful moments, and FA Cup final was a decent bonus. Foz came back, and in came Kina. We lost Richarlison, but gained Messina, Capu, Decore, Cabaselli, Cathcart, Mariapa. Very consistent, and we were mid-table, but then souring of the fable. Cavi sacked by Scott and Gino, Welbeck injured, and then we know what happened next. Despite the victories against Manu and Liverpool, we couldn't score defend or pass. Relegation happened fast. Pearson left the sinking ship. Watford FC had to think quick. But then at the first attempt, the Hornets bounced back, as was meant to happen. If it was the wrong end, the Watford fans weren't making a song and dance about the new, new, new Messiah. Shishko Munoz was on fire. Sierra Alta, Trosta Kong, Joao Pedro, all on song. And through all this, the pod rolled on and hundreds listened as a throng. The final pod, allegedly, is dropping now. And so should we raise a suitable drink? In praise of Tucker's, Paul and Gary, the moaning for people. Other podcasts are available, friends, but Ronnie and Ramage has come to an end. And with that, guys, it's been a blast. Thank you, everyone who's listened to all these years. As John said, allegedly, never say never. We might be back, but for now, we're calling it a day. So thanks, everyone, and come on your Stay well. God bless you.